Week 11 part 2 begins now. <laughs> part Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. That's right, we back. Man, me and Jason never know what Timmy's going to start the episodes. Never. We're equally as surprised as you guys. That was a strange one. <laughs> <laughs> you went from seductive to super fast. Oh, yeah. I forgot I was seductive. That's how Timmy is in bed, you know? Seductive to super fast. <laughs> hey, look, uh, look, look. That was a good one. You laid it up on the tee and you knocked it out of the park on that one. Yeah, do what I can. Uh, all right, let's go over to our first game. How do you say? What do you say? Don't forget, we got the Thrive 5 coming at you at the end of the episode. We'll explain all about Thrive Fantasy. But if you don't know about Thrive Fantasy yet, you just haven't been listening to us, really. Um, so let's go over to <laughs> <laughs> let's go over to our first game, the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry, the Dallas Cowboys. At the Detroit Lions. Let's go. Let's start the Detroit Lions because Jeff Driscoll had himself an all right kind of yuck game. A little yuck it is uh, game. That's how I would describe it. A little yuck it is. But yeah, he had an all right game. Kenny Galladay found a way to get it done, kind of in the Cortland Sutton mold of. Backup quarterback, but still found a way to get it done because he caught a crazy catch in the end zone. So with that being said, how do you like Kenny Galladay? And Marvin Jones also had a decent fantasy game considering. How do you like that duo of Galladay and Jones? Kenny Galladay. Ooh, ooh. Look, if you're starting Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones last week against Chicago in a terrible matchup, you're more than likely starting them this week in a better matchup against Dallas. It's not a great matchup. Uh, Byron Jones is a is a tough draw for Kenny Galladay. So I, I Kenny Galladay has been has become one of the most consistent fantasy receivers. He has two games with three half PPR fantasy points, which were complete duds. Outside of that, he scored at least twelve half PPR fantasy points. Two of his last three over twenty. Um, so he's he's becoming a super reliable guy. Even with Jeff Driscoll last week, it's still it's looking like Jeff Driscoll is going to remain at QB this week. Um, even with Jeff Driscoll, he's playing well. So you got to fire him up. And Marvin Jones is someone I'm a little surprised. The expert consensus ranking has him at 35, which I think is a little crazy. I have him as my wide receiver 23 this week. Three of the last four weeks, he's hit double digits, including last week against Chicago in a tough draw. And if he's going up against Chidobie Awuzie, who's not very good, he could have a big week, especially with Byron Jones likely shadowing Kenny Galladay. So <clears throat> I think Marvin Jones is a solid low-end wide receiver two, upside wide receiver three this week. Someone who has been a good corner for them has been Jordan Lewis, who's been playing the slot very well. Danny Amendola got shut down against the Bears. He got shut down by Buster Screen, who's basically on him. He was giving him fits all day. Um, how do you feel about Danny Amendola in this one, Jason? No, you can't start him. The only reason why Amendola had some appeal in the past is because Ryan Ta- uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> Matt Stafford is fourth in true throw value. Uh, but... Uh, not with Jeff Driscoll throwing. Those, those targets aren't valuable enough. Do you know what's crazy, yo? Yahoo still projects him to get like nine points a week in half PPR. Like, what the? F- what are you doing? It's horrible. Yeah, it's a bad projection. Um, let's talk about the backfield though. JD McKissick, seventy percent of the snaps last week. Their running back is like, is it's like the Madden curse. They're all hurt, every single one of them. So it's basically JD McKissick. It's the J.D. McKissick show. And Paul Perkins now. And so it's the J.D. McKissick show, like I said. 
Paul Perkins, too. And the J.D. McKissick show. <laughs> I mean, if you think Paul Perkins isn't going to get 8 to 12 carries, you're wrong. The only thing I remember about Paul Perkins is that Elias once picked him in the fourth round. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about he Paul He went Perkins. Paul Perkins, Fat Rob, rounds four and five, and we all laughed at him. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't make the playoffs that year. No, he was <laughs> This is like two years ago when Fat Rob and Paul Perkins started the season. Rob the Kelly. Yeah, Rob Kelly. Shout out to that guy. But yeah, J.D. McKissick. He should have a solid floor at the very least, man. 15-9 and nine the last two weeks going up against Dallas, who's not a very difficult uh, matchup for opposing running backs through the air or on the ground. 16 touches, though, last week. Even if it is with uh, Jeff Driscoll, it's interesting. So you might have to start um, J.D. McKissick if you're, if you're like a Derrick Henry owner or something of that sort. So I think he does have flex appeal this week. If he finds an end zone, he could turn it into a big game. So uh, it's not the worst idea to plug McKissick into your flex this week in a decent matchup. Paul Perkins is a touchdown-dependent desperation flex play, on the other hand, because he does not have a role pass catching, so you just got to hope that he falls into the end zone and ends with 9 to 10 half PPR fantasy points. Yeah, uh, I agree. Jason, how do you feel about the backfield, specifically McKissick? Specifically, McKissick, is that what you just tried to say? Uh, didn't I not say that? It was very... I mean, I'm, I'm going with McKissick if I have to go one of them, but this is a very odd uh, scenario that we're in here. Uh, McKissick has flex appeal. He's going to see work. I'm okay with him as a flex. Ceiling's not too high, but the floor isn't too low. We saw 10 rushes last week, so we know that they're willing to give him the ball. Uh, he's a flex play. Uh, what about T.J. Hawkinson? I know you said that you weren't going to going to use him earlier. No, absolutely not. Hawkinson he just like people are still living off of Week One, baby. Woo! 131 yards touchdown. He's gonna break all the rules. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a little weird. Um, but Dallas has been atrocious against opposing tight ends. So if you want like five to eight points, Hawkinson's your guy. Can I? Can I just say that I am all in on Cowboys this week? I like I I know it's gonna be impossible for them to score, but I don't have a problem starting Cooper, Gallup, maybe even Cobb, obviously Zeke, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say that I have a huge problem starting Witten and Dak Prescott. Like I want to start every single person on this team. Tell me why I'm wrong. You're not. <laughs> You're I not. agree. Tell yeah. me why I'm right. Uh, cause the. Detroit secondary is absolutely atrocious. Their ground game is absolutely atrocious. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. They are the only team besides the Chiefs and the Patriots, I want to say, that have led that have had a lead in every single game and they're 3-5 and 1. They've held a lead in every single game and they're two games on their 500. I feel bad for Lions fans, like at least us Jets fans. Like it, we knew the season was over right when Sam Darnold <laughs> got hurt. They had to. They have a lead in every single game, and they're just pissing it away every single game. That's how bad their defense is. I love me some Dak Prescott. I have him as my number three <clears throat> overall fantasy quarterback. After he's besides that one down week against New Orleans, and he scored eighteen against the Jets. He's had at least twenty two half. P, uh, I was gonna say half PPR. It doesn't matter for quarterbacks, at least 22 fantasy points in every single game. I think people are kind of underestimating how good of a fantasy quarterback Dak Prescott is. Like, he's a lock and load start every week. Zeke has been pretty disappointing this season so far as well, but against Detroit, you just got to stick him in your lineup, lock and loaded, 
Coop and Gallup I love as wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos this week. Jason Witten I could do without, but I'm I'm just trying to get every piece of the Dallas Cowboys offense. Randall Cobb had a big game last week, and that didn't mean that Coop and Gallup couldn't get theirs either. Could this be the same thing, Jason? Like, what do you think about this whole offense? We're t- we usually go by positions, but we can talk about the whole offense as a whole, I think, in this situation. No, yeah, this offense is clicking, baby. Dak Prescott is seventh in true throw value, and it's really a funneled offense to the wide receivers on the outside, and Gallup and Cooper have both been great this season. I don't expect this to change against the Lions. Uh, I'm not as low on Jason Witten as Michael is. I mean, it's Jason Witten, so let's be real. I'm not low. I just thought I could do without him. He's a high-end wide receiver, uh, excuse me, tight end too. Okay, yeah, that's true. Uh, My thoughts are that Zeke really hasn't had a blow-up game this year. This game against Jeff Driscoll, uh, against a defense that's not too good, I think it has blow-up game written all over it because Zeke's been a little slow after that bye week. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on to our next game after talking about the whole offense. Um, let's go to Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Here's another whole offense I like, the New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm sorry, New Orleans at Tampa Bay, excuse me. Let's start with the New Orleans Saints because I think they have a bounce-back potential coming. Last week, in a matchup where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers, it got even worse when Christian Kirk put the beats on them. Michael Thomas has been absolutely phenomenal this whole season. He will continue to be phenomenal. This is a this has Mike Thomas blow up game written all over it. I also really like uh, Jared Cook, who got ten targets, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just as last week. Surprising as Eric Ebron's target total. Right. So I mean, I streamed him. I was very happy with the production I got out of him. Um, Ted Ginn on the road. Not that excited about. Same with Traquan Smith, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if either one of them hit a home run here. Uh, Jason, how do you feel about these pass catching options? Uh, I'll start Jared Cook. Good option. Uh, I said last week that uh, I liked him, and he was being rated too low. He's been good with Drew Brees, and he's caught some touchdowns too. Uh, wide receivers, Michael Thomas, you fire up. Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith are on the road, so that is tough. Uh, Really just throwing a curveball out there. Just throwing, not even a curveball. You're just throwing something out there, hoping that it sticks. A dart? Uh, not. Curveball. We've yes. been using, throwing a curve we've been using the term stick. Whatever we've only been means. using the term dart throw for about three years now. It's been 84 years. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as a special guest, I forgot what my line is on this show. All right. Uh, that's that's about it. What do you what do you want me to say? There's not really any other pass catchers here. Guys, Leave Michael Thomas is the easiest start and get 25 fantasy points of yeah. all time this <laughs> Yeah, week. for real. I love it. If I'm a Michael Thomas owner, I am licking my chops or licking my curveballs, as Jason would say. So an interesting little – something that is a little bit surprising for – Alvin Kamara had a bad game. Yes. Said you had but it a was bad a, game. It was a really bad game script where the offense as a whole couldn't do anything. But in terms of being on the field, he was on the field as much as he had been all season. In terms of target share, he still got over 20% of the targets. So it is a situation where if Alvin Kamara was in a better spot, maybe he would have done better. But with that being said, Alvin Kamara did have a bad game. I expect him to bounce back this week. Tampa Bay is tough, man. If he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it through the air, which we've seen in the past, which is absolutely perfectly fine when it comes to Alvin Kamara. So, yeah, if you have him, you're firing him up. There's no way I'm sitting him on my bench just because of the blow-up potential, especially coming off a completely ridiculously awful game from New Orleans getting destroyed by Atlanta. 
Like they're coming out with a vengeance this week, so I'm I'm excited about the prospects for that entire offense against Tampa Bay. Yeah, same. Um, what about Drew Brees? Uh, obviously on the road, historically Drew Brees has been much worse. How do you feel about it? As cool as the breeze by the ocean, put him in your lineup. Okay, Jason. I have him as my QB five. I mean, I'm not uh, just brush off last week. Things like that happen. It's odd. It's that's the that's what's weird about it. Not the fact that it, it happened. It's clearly not going to happen again. Especially because if you look, he he completed 32 passes, like 287 yards, no touchdowns. Just weird. Agreed. Um, let's go over to the Tampa Bay sideline. Lately, Chris Godwin has been a little disappointing, but not in real life. He's been really good in real life, and that's because Mike Evans has been fantastic. But the Saints defense is going to be missing Marshawn Lattimore. And this is big because Marshawn Lattimore has now handed donuts to Mike Evans not once, but twice in his career. Donuts to Mike Evans. That's like an oxymoron. So they avoid him which is great news for Mike Evans. Not as good news for Chris Godwin owners. But with that being said, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, how do you feel about these guys? If I'm a Mike Evans owner, I'm ridiculously hyped because you went from low-end wide receiver one with scary low floor based on past history to smash wide receiver one, in my opinion. I have as my third wide receiver this week. If I'm a Chris Godwin owner, I'm pretty upset about it. I still have him as a wide receiver one. I have him at seventh overall. But I probably would have had him at like second overall if Evans was going to be lined up against Lattimore. So it does probably take some targets away from Godwin more geared towards uh, Mike Evans. Jason? I concur. Michael talked about O.J. Howard on the Patreon-only pod a lot last week. Uh, this week. We know Michael's feelings, so let's talk about your feelings, Jason. How do you feel about O.J. Howard this week? Uh, he's worth a skeptical ad, but I don't think it's anything that you need to... Hop on the Van Wagon. Uh, he could be a back-end tight end one just because once you get into that range, we're looking at Rudolph, McDonald, and Knox. So, I mean, you could throw him out there and hope for another splash game. But it was Arizona. We need to keep that in mind. And two or three of his catches came on that two-minute drive at the end of the first half where they weren't running their normal offense. So, take it with a grain of salt. Salty. Salty. All right, let's talk about this running back situation because it looked like Ronald Jones was going was Ronald Jones was ready to take over that job. Ronald Jones, shush, uh, ready to take over that job last week. Then he fumbled the ball without even anyone touching him. He just kind of dropped it, um, and then it was the Peyton Barber show after that. So who gets the most carries? And it, regardless of who gets the most carries in this game, are either one of these guys startable against a New Orleans run defense has been fantastic. Uh, Ronald Jones, man, like you said, he just went, he lost that fumble and him and Peyton Barber each had 11 rushes. It just went right back to that being the case, which is just mind boggling, especially when Bruce Arians basically said Ronald Jones was the starter and going to get the bulk of the carries going forward. It was just a mess for Ronald Jones, but he salvaged his day by going eight for 77 through the air, more receptions than he ever had in a game in his life, dating back to high school and college, apparently. So that was nice to see, but will he start being that involved in the passing game? It's it's questionable. I mean, he's never seen more than four targets ever, and two games he saw zero targets prior to last week. 
and now he gets New Orleans, which is one of the most stout defensive fronts in the league. I think he's more of a high-end flex play than he is an RB2 this week. Jason, you yelled at me when I said Ronald Jones was part of the passing game. You yelled at me. Speak for yourself. He wasn't until now. Fool. Yeah. <laughs> Speak. Right, what do you want me to tell you? They played Arizona. First of all, I want. Oh, I wanted to. Just reminded me about a tweet because I saw someone, and I was going to quote tweet it, but I was in class, so I forgot. But someone tweeted today about how Arizona is allowing the most plays against in the league, and I was like, "Yep, we called that back out in March." So yeah. shout out shout to out us. us. Shout out yeah. to us. Um, and that could obviously be a reason why Ronald Jones had eight catches last week. So don't act like Ronald Jones is James White now. He still his max was two catches before last week. So suck it, and we'll see. Gotta love the prospects of Jameis Winston in this game against a banged up secondary. Yeah, Jameis Winston yeah. locked and loaded QB this week as well, especially with bye weeks. Simple as that. Jason, fire remote. Fire remote. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to the next game, the Bills at the Dolphins. This one should be a low scorer um, because both of these offenses have been terrible um, so far. Josh Allen has – yeah, man, Josh Allen is the is the prototypical – if he did not run the ball, he would be a sucky fantasy quarterback, but somehow puts up 25 points a game um, like he did last week. So Josh Allen against this Miami front in Miami – uh, let's go over to the to the Bills. How do you feel about Josh Allen in the matchup where last time he played Miami, he didn't have that super big uh, game that everyone was expecting? 21.8 last, last time he played Miami, which is a good game. Yeah, I mean, but he's not a guy that's – we've discussed this before. He's not a guy that's going to destroy bad defenses because uh, he can't really throw. So sometimes it's better when he plays defenses that – just teams that are better in general because he's forced to play more, forced to run more, and stuff of that sort. Uh, and Miami is probably the best team in the league since they're 2-0 and the last two weeks. Uh, they look unstoppable. <laughs> uh, but he's going to have a good week. I don't think it's going to be a blow-up week. I mean, I have him as QB8 against Miami. We've seen that Josh Allen transformed into this fantasy player that has a high floor this, uh, this year, much different than he was last year but you gotta love it if you're a josh allen owner because you're getting at least 18 half ppr fan i keep saying half ppr for quarterbacks it doesn't matter at least 18 fantasy points and last week he showed his ceiling which was a at 25 fantasy points against cleveland so i i think it's a he's a great play this week against miami um what about devin singletary michael this is the guy that you basically said last a couple weeks ago that he's gonna win some leagues do you still feel that way I'm all aboard the Devin Singletary train this week, despite the lack of goodness last week. Last week, 8 for 42, 3 receptions, 8 yards, but he saw 7 targets. He played 42 snap, excuse me, 46 snaps to Frank Gore's 22. He touched the ball 11 times to Frank Gore's 6. Gore still touched the ball more than I would have liked, but against Miami, this is a smash spot for Devin Singletary. I have him as RB12 this week. I love Devin Singletary this week against Miami. Jason? I concur. I think he's going to blow up. Uh, last week, he still had he had seven targets. So, I mean, yeah, his touches weren't as high. And Frank Gore was a little bit more involved than usual like than you'd like to see. But I'm not too worried. He still played double the snaps of Frank Gore. And this is a great game for him. Um, let's go over to the wide receiving options. John Brown. 
just kind of just broke a Bills record for having the most consecutive games with at least 50 yards, which is good for John Brown, but also shows you how bad Buffalo Bills receivers has been have been in throughout their history. Um, so John Brown, one of the more consistent, at least guys who are not going to who at least has a floor of some sort. Um, then you have Cole Beasley, who Jason <laughs> is happy to know that when he didn't score a touchdown, he had a bad game. So with that being said, how do you feel about these two guys? John Brown we wow, 34th in true throw value. So he's actually been outperforming what the true throw value expects. And he's just, he's been like ridiculously consistent. Not a single game under 51. You really would like him to find the end zone more. Only two touchdowns uh, this year against the Jets in Miami. So, but that gives you a inkling here this week. He scored last time he played Miami. Xavier Howard's on IR out the rest of the year. So John Brown is in a huge spot this week against Miami, and he's a lock for at least 50 yards. He's a lock for four more receptions anyways, and now he has a great shot of finding the end zone as well. So he's locked and loaded high-end wide receiver two in my book this week, and Cole Beasley is a solid flex option as well. Any love for Dawson Knox or like one of the outside receivers like Isaiah McKenzie? It's Dawson Knox week. I'm proclaiming that it's Dawson Knox week. That's right. You can't just say Miami. things like that. I'm, I'm doing Michael it. Just, Michael just proclaimed that it's Dawson Knox week and then said, I proclaim <laughs> that it's Dawson Knox week. Yeah, if you don't proclaim it, then is it really Dawson Knox week? I if you, pro- if you proclaim... Bankruptcy! <laughs> if, if, <laughs> if, you, if you proclaim something, oh, but, you don't, yeah. but you don't say something, but you don't say I proclaim in front of it, are you really proclaiming? Exactly. No, then you're just stating. Exactly. You got to proclaim. Yeah, he went six. You have to proclaim your proclamation. Six targets last week against Cleveland. Career high. Four receptions. Career high. 55 yards. Not a career high, but a great game nonetheless. Now against the Miami Swiss cheese defense, who has been better of late. But I'm just really feeling Dawson Knox this week. It's, I think it's Dawson Knox week, man. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so let's go over to uh, the Miami side. They've been putting up some all right weeks lately. Can't lie. Can't front. Um, with that being said, uh, let's go to Kalen Balazs. Oh, my God. Watching this guy, uh, it's gross. He's so bad. He's just like he sees the hole, and he's like, I'm going to go the other way. Um, 20 rushes, though. Can you, I mean, like, 20 rushes. I'm not on I'm not on the, the bandwagon of – the Dolphins are clearly tanking. I think those people are ridiculously dumb. They just won two in a row. Like, those players out there are not trying to lose. But if Kalen Balaj continues to be the running back getting over 20 touches a game, then the head coach and the higher-ups are probably absolutely tanking. Because there's not a single good explanation as to why Kalen Balaj should be getting more than zero touches per game, honestly. Like, let Laird and Gaskin try out. That's how bad Balaj has been. He's, he had 24 touches last week and ended with seven half PPR fantasy. <laughs> I think Gaskin is a name to keep in mind. I think that Gaskin is a name to eventually he might take over this. Laird was the, the great second Gaskin. guy up last week. But it's look, if you want to put Kalen Balaj in your flex, go for it. I'd rather not touch Kalen Balaj at all, even though he might get 20 plus touches again. That's a real possibility. Just, it's so ugly. What about Devontae Parker? How do you feel? Devontae Parker, Alan Hearns, uh, Albert Wilson. How do you feel about these outside guys with Ryan Fitzpatrick behind center? 
It's tough Devontae... for Devontae Parker this week against Tredavious White. Go <clears throat> ahead, yes, That's the thing. Devontae Parker saw 10 targets last week. Basically, he's been seeing a lot of targets. He's been productive. Uh, really a wide receiver, too, since week four. It's been impressive. Because um, Fitz just likes to feed the same guys. But Tredavious White? I don't think so. I don't think so. Where's that from, Tim? Um, there's a lot of places that could be from. It's from friends, Joey Tribbiani. What about Mike Kosicki, who's had really good games? Uh, oh, I mean, said his name. He said Kosicki correctly. Good for you, Tim. Well, you know how that's how I do. I thought you said I said his name. Like when did I miss you talking about Mike Kosicki? So Mike Kosicki had a couple. Not, now it wasn't the best game last week in terms of fantasy production, but he still had the targets. So is he becoming someone that you could trust? Nope. Not this week against Buffalo. It's a really bad matchup. Buffalo has been tremendous against the tight ends. But it's good to see him get back-to-back six-target week. So going forward after this week, he's still at least an interesting option on the lower-end tier of tight ends. Um. All right, let's go over to our next uh, game. Let's go on to our next game, the Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Rams. Two of the more disappointing offenses um, that we've had in the league this year. Let's Go. Let's start right off with Chicago. Uh, I played against Tariq Cohen last week. Usually, that's a great thing. Cohen, Cobb, and Debo Samuel all went crazy against me, and I lost. <laughs> that's. I mean, this this is a guy that Sal that we talk about randomly, who's in our home league. Who we gotta stop hitting on him every he's been year. Making just mega somehow moves. wins because he he does it, bro. He's unscared. It blows my mind. He's unscared. I mean, he's never won the whole thing. Never, but he he always makes sense to me. But (laughs) he always has at least a playoff-worthy team, and it boggles my mind. Man, I can't believe I lost to Randall Cobb, Tariq Cohen, and Debo Debo Samuel. Samuel. Timmy needed Tevin Coleman to score. He had a minus two advantage, like betting-wise. He needed Tevin Coleman to beat Debo Samuel. And he, didn't. and he had a two-point advantage and, and lost. he didn't was, by a, by a lot, by a long yeah. shot. I lost. <laughs> um, luckily, I'm still in sixth place in that league. That, that Once I'm, Sanders went down, I knew you were done. I'm 5-5 five and five in that league because injuries have completely ransacked my team. Man, I I need something. Um, you did. and you, you know what? I, I had to tell Michael to shut up because I was at dinner that night. I was having a nice time. And he was like, oh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Fucking jinxing it. I, I blame it on you. You jinxed the whole thing. I was rooting for you. And then you told me to shut up. It was me. <laughs> yeah. You were like, oh, Timmy's definitely going to lose. Oh, every time there was a catch by Debo Samuel, oh, he caught another one. Guess who definitely lost and guess who definitely won. Fuck off. Well, yeah, that's because you jinxed me. All totally. right. Let's go to this. Let's go to the offense. I definitely jinxed this year, the Chicago Bears. Um, Tariq Cohen, uh, Mike Davis released. I don't know what that means. Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery in this backfield. Uh, against I mean, Mike lost- Davis was released weeks ago. No, th- th- this week. He signed this week with somebody else. I can't yeah, remember but who. he was released a couple weeks ago. I don't know. I'll challenge you on that one. Just because he signed this week doesn't mean he wasn't released a few weeks ago. Because nah, he yeah, was. Man. I challenge you that he was released this week. Before, are, you're wrong. Before what the last- fuck are you talking about? Right? What are you before talking last about week? is right. Go ahead. Look it up. Jeez, Louise, Tim. Keep talking. Anyway, he's definitely released. Whenever he was released does not matter because he wasn't getting play anyway. So David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen against a good front seven for the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Los Angeles Rams. How do you feel about it? David Montgomery. You must respect my Montgomery. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm going to keep saying that because, no, because uh, we got some love from in the Patreon out. chat. Uh, got some love in the Patreon chat for that joke, so I'm going to keep doing it. Okay. Yeah, let's not panic, people. 
Uh, sure. Montgomery didn't find the end zone. Yeah, he got didn't released he, on yeah, Saturday. Didn't any catches. He still had 17 rushes, 60 yards. It wasn't awful. He's a rookie. There'll be growing pains. Uh, but 17 touches is nothing to scoff at. Uh, that's basically what he's seen, except for the Chargers. He had 27 carries, which is nuts. And the Rams aren't the best run defense. Uh, we've often said Wade Phillips, at this point in his life, basically decided, let me not waste my precious years worrying about the run. Uh, and that's what's happening. So I'm okay with firing up Montgomery. I, I think the panic for Montgomery is a little too far. Yeah. I mean, he's 47th in true throw value, so he's really not a big pass-catching factor. But, yeah, if he's going to keep getting 17-plus touches, you got to fire him up as a running back, too. Um, on the topic of true throw value, uh, Tariq Cohen's aligns with Marquez Valdez Scantlin. Um, by the That'd way, trash. By the way, Chicago Bears wisely release Mike Davis is posted four days ago. I just said they released him on Saturday. Yeah, so there you go. Suck it, ball. Suck balls. I felt like it was longer ago. Both of you suck balls. Time flies when you're having fun. Time flies you don't have when enough it was, fun. Me it was you last week, not this week. We were right. Yeah. But me and you have fun, Jay. Tim doesn't. It was before our last. Uh, when I say last week, I mean last Wednesday. Don't get don't get well, now, shit. now don't now get, now it we're get that technicalities here. Too many technicalities on this program. Let's move on. Um, all right. Who wants to go on the weekly rant against Allen Robinson? Hello, Allen Robinson. Let me tell you, <laughs> I laughed earlier today. My uh, rankings are currently on the site, brotofantasy.com. Check him out. I laughed earlier today because. I once again got the alert, are you sure, about Allen Robinson's <laughs> ranking. And I was like, absolutely. I have Allen Robinson ranked as my wide receiver 31. Shout out to Michael, who was 22nd in fantasy pros with wide receiver rank- rankings last week. Shout yep, out to Michael. That I was, mainly because of Allen Robinson and not because of Calvin Ridley. And Christian guy. Kirk, though. Christian Kirk, though. But yeah, so Allen Robinson, though, um, now he's going to go up against Jalen Ramsey. So how could you possibly rank him higher than he has been recently? Jalen Ramsey's kind of been trash since he joined the Rams. Just putting that out there. I mean, he's better than the other Rams corners. So, like, with Jalen... And J- come on, Jalen Ramsey's not trash. He's been kind of trash. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. But look, yeah, against the Rams, it's it's not a great matchup. I think he's a mid-wide receiver three. His expert consensus ranking is a wide receiver two. Um, I'm just... I'm not buying him as a top 24 receiver this week. Um, I'm not trusting any you, of the other you receivers. No, I agree. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, I'm not trusting those guys. Yeah, you can't trust any of these guys. Uh, obviously, you're not starting Trubisky either. So let's go over to the Rams offense. Cooper or lack Cup, thereof. Zero points. Let that sink in. My Cooper Cup tweet got some love. My C, 0.0 per cup. Yeah. That was good. Um, but with that being said, Buster Screen had a good game last week against Danny Amendola. Uh, do you think that Cooper Cup busts out of this thing? All right. Let's not act like Buster Screen had a good game against Danny Amendola with Jeff Driscoll throwing the ball. It means that Buster I'm, Screen's a good I'm not. Corner. Uh, it's called a transition, Jason. Your boy's yeah, good at called, this shit. It's called ridiculousness. So, so tell us why it's ridiculous then. Fucking Rob Deerdeck just came onto the program and said and started talking about Buster Screen. Host of ridiculousness, yeah, by the that's way. Horrible, man. That's yes, horrible. that that is what where I was going. Uh I mean th- the point is Buster Screen's not gonna shut down Cooper Cup. The only thing that's gonna shut down Cooper Cup is Jared Goff. And it's been happening a lot lately. Cause it's not just a one week occurrence. 
Cooper Cup is four, eight, thirty-two, and zero, the last four weeks. Um, I mean, I don't know how you go from two hundred twenty yards and a touchdown to a donut. Jared Goff has just been really atrocious, dude. If you look at the last season, uh, Trubisky has more passing touchdowns than Jared Goff. Sixteen games. Goff's been really bad. Um, and that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, and Cooper Cup's been sliding in true th- target value. He's down to 16th on the season, so still a wide receiver too. He just – and he obviously he has upside, just not nearly as consistent as the beginning of the season, and it is a little frightening heading into the playoffs. You do – like, I, I was going to – it's tough because Brandon Cook's going down. You think it helps, but they really zoned in on Cooper Cup in Pittsburgh, and you wonder if they're going to do the same thing in Chicago – I'm still firing up Cooper Cup. Obviously, his upside is ridiculous, as he's shown multiple times this season. But yeah, I'd be, I'm be, I'd be a little worried as a Cooper Cup owner. You'd like to see a big bounce back game here, but uh, Robert Woods, on the other hand, he started off the game with zero catches, <clears throat> almost into halftime, and then ended with 11 targets, seven receptions, and 95 yards. So he had a very solid half PPR and PPR fantasy game. I kind of expect more of the same this week in Chicago. Um, still no touchdowns this year. He's not a red zone threat. You kind of just have to hope that he catches for he goes for a lot of yards receiving. And Chicago is a team where they don't really have a shutdown corner. They just have a very good unit overall. So he's not. They're not a team I'm super afraid of. They've been good against the receivers, but it, as long as Cooper Cup, um, excuse me, Jared Goff, could at least get a little time to find them, they can have some. Uh, they can have decent fantasy games. So. I'm okay with starting Robert Woods as a wide receiver three and Cup as more of a low-end wide receiver one rather than a high-end wide receiver one as he's been in the past. Here's the thing, though. Are you going to be able... Because this is the game that Goff kind of fell out of that high upper tier last year. was against Chicago. They shut him out. It's still the same cast of characters minus a couple guys that are injured that are going to be rushing the quarterback. Except this is not the same offensive line. This is a much worse offensive line. So with that being said, are you worried about the fact that the Bears are just going to blitz and they're just going to send Khalil Mack and they're going to scare the shit out of Goff and they're just not going to have time to pass to any of these pass catchers? I mean, if they do, then hopefully they get the ball out of Goff's hands quick. I do like the fact a lot that Goff is at home. He plays remarkably better at home in his history, uh, minus the San Fran game. (laughs) <laughs> but last year and this year, he's been much better at home than he's been on the road. So that that's also a plus for him. So we'll see, but I'm not... I, I don't want to trust Jared Goff as a QB1 this week, but I think he's a high-end QB2, and I think they bounce back a little bit. They're, they're, oh, their team overall is just... Compared to what we saw last year and parts of this year, they've flashed a lot of... like As much as we say they're not the same offense... They're still averaging over 28 points a game, so they're still a very good overall offense. So I do think they bounce back a bit this week against Chicago as a unit. Um, Gerald Everett, 12 targets last week as well. He's so, obviously part of the offense. He's kind of yeah. taken over the those passes that Todd Gurley would was taking over. Yeah, Josh Reynolds, I wouldn't really want to trust. It's more of a low-end flex play in a tough matchup. But Gerald Everett, 12 targets last week, Chicago – is bottom five in the league against tight ends. So it's very interesting matchup this week in Chicago for Gerald Everett, who is clearly a big part of that offense. Speaking about Todd Gurley, he's become a touchdown-dependent fantasy option. Still 
The Rams still throw to their running back the lowest percentage of any team in the league, which is absolutely mind blowing considering what they did last year. Um, I mean, I mean, if you have Todd Gurley, you gotta throw him out there, but you're not anywhere close to excited about it. I don't get it, man. At this point, it's like, yo, either use Todd Gurley or just like give him the year to rest or something. Like what they're doing isn't working. Uh, and Todd Gurley has yet to exceed 19 touches in a game this season. That's extremely low. He was seeing more than 19 carries a game last season. Uh, so, like you said, he's a touchdown-dependent running back at this point. He's not getting any catches. He has one catch in the last three games combined. All right, so let's move on to our next game. By the way, that was a Sunday night game, and if you ask us why we did the Sunday night game at that time, the answer to the question is, I don't know. Timmy's really bad during pauses. Trying to figure out what games are left. Do you know Good what it is? Because timestamps. Because PFF, I, I go on the PFF site to get my games, and they give you also the games of like the whole week. So they give you Thursday's games too, and there's two Thursday games this week. So like it throws me off. But this is very early for Sunday night football on yeah, MSG. I, I just. I got the Cardinals at the Niners, the Bengals at the Raiders, and the Patriots at the Eagles, and I just skipped them all. The four, the four o'clock games. I just skipped them. Oh, I don't well. know why. Don't ask me why. Oh well. Um. So let's go to the Cardinals. Uh, going to San Francisco to face the 49ers. The 49ers took their first loss of the season against a very good Seattle Seahawks team. That team is good. Very good. And so let's talk about it. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. What is his practice report guy is saying, guys? Have you seen a practice report from him today? He's very iffy. Real quick. There's only one game on Thursday. What are you talking about? Then why are they giving me two games here? Tim, I, you're, we told you're all you over the really place, bad man. at this. Maybe no, it's a Saturday. On, Maybe it's a Saturday game. No, 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 no. Then hold on, hold on, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let this happen. Maybe it's a Saturday game. They start throwing oh, in Saturday. Saturday. Maybe it's a Saturday season. Game. Maybe it's a Saturday game. Because Colt Texans, Lions, Redskins, they also have on the list for this week. The fucks up with that. Tim, you are the worst. You're the worst, dude. There's no, there's no Saturday game. You're bugging. It's a normal ass week. It's then week why 11. is Lions, Redskins on the list? You tell me. I don't know. You use PFF every week. Get to it. I don't. I don't. I can't understand it. I'm Let's just get using. To game, I'm huh? just using logic of brain. All right. Uh, speaking of logic, logic of brain. Of brain. Logic yeah, of brain. Logic of brain. That's right. You heard me. This bitch don't know about Pangea. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I was saying, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I'm looking up his status right now because I have not read He's anything game about time his decision, status. Bro. Did, did he practice today? He's, He's very limited. Iffy. Did he practice? He. Uh, I just see that he's likely to be a game-time decision. I'm not sure if he practiced or well, not. Well, I doubt I, he practiced. Did not practice today yeah. with a rib injury. So let's assume he doesn't play. Debo Samuel's a great play again? I mean, like this Arizona defense oh, is George given, Kittle was officially ruled out while we were recording. I was going to get to the tight ends, but, yes, so, George Kittle well, was ruled out. Well, the fact out. that now Debo Samuel, if Sanders and uh, Kittle are out again, Debo Samuel – Probably going to move him up into wide receiver two territory. Wow. Interesting. I mean, That's crazy. he's the Kendrick Bourne was absolutely disgusting. Yo, the whole they had eight drop passes. It was disgusting. Dante Pettis did not look good. Uh, Richie James is just a gadget player. Like it's going to be Debo Samuel and Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly had a bunch of targets, too. So, yeah, I, I'll probably move Debo Samuel up into wide receiver two territory in a game where they're going to have to run a lot of plays against Arizona as we saw a couple weeks ago too when Emmanuel Sanders went off against them. Um any of the other guys you like, Jason? Uh Dante Pettis, maybe? I just want to give a shout out to Ross Dwelly. He had seven targets last week. So even though his numbers don't look 
like he was too involved. He was pretty involved. And against Arizona, they're going to pass a lot. So I'm I'm down with Dwelly as a streamer. Arizona historically bad against the tight end this year as well. Um, that too. Also, another injury for the Niners who all of a sudden are, you see guys going down left and right uh, is Matt Breida. Matt Breida not supposed to play this Sunday. So with that being said, Tevin Coleman obviously takes a step up. He's been a little disappointed in the last few games after his big blow-up game. Had Ended up salvaging a pretty good half PPR game and PPR game in the final drive of the game last week. Um, but with that being said, Tevin Coleman and then Raheem Mostert, because it's not just going to be Tevin Coleman. They're going to split the carries. Mostert's going to take the breeder role. How do you feel about them this week? I love me some Raheem Mostert if you need a fill-in for a bye week or for a uh, for a bye week or an injury or something of that sort. I think Raheem Mostert will step right into the Matt Breida role. And the, I mean, they usually used Mostert, too, a little bit with him there. He was the one getting the ball in overtime, so he gets... Uh, receptions. He drives the ball. Me fucking insane. I think he's a very decent flex option this week against Arizona. Like we said, they're going to run a ton of plays against Arizona, and they do not have a good uh, defensive front. So I think Mostert's a very interesting low end RB two play, even if you have to put him there. And Tevin Coleman, he has it has been rough for him of late, but he's still the main guy there. Especially now, Brita out again. He's going to get the lion's share of touches. I have him as a high end RB two. The Niners have given up the lowest or the second lowest amount of points to almost every position in fantasy. But with that being said, this is a dynamic offense. Let's start in the backfield. Kenyon Drake versus David Johnson. You're starting one, you're starting both, and if you're starting one, who are you starting? I'm I'm a little confused by people with David Johnson. How could you possibly start him this week? Like, I agree. I he people... looked he looked bad. There was a, there was one run that's been circulating around Twitter. Where me, Mike, me and Michael were watching the game the other day. Where we looked at each other like, was that a? Did he think there was a timeout or something? Yeah, he looked like Eddie Lacy. Yeah, man, it was bad. But Eddie, yeah, wow, so, throwback Eddie Lacy. I have Kenyon Drake as my RB twenty three. Last time he played San Fran, he dominated them, and I expect Kenyon Drake to be the guy this week. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. DJ looked absolutely horrible. He lost a fumble after the game. Kingsbury said he's obviously still hurt after just lying to everyone again, saying he was completely healthy. So Cliff Kingsbury's getting on a lot of people's bad sides because he just can't tell the damn truth. I, I, if I had to choose between Drake and, uh, what's his face, David Johnson, it's not even a question for me. It's Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I agree. Uh, David Johnson looks like he's running with a fridge attached to his back. He's hurt, man, obviously. Yeah. Let the guy rest. They need to, you, they need to just not use him. You gave yeah. up a draft pick for Kenyon Drake for a reason. Rest your guy. True that. You're not going anywhere this year. You're not making no playoffs. Be smart. Yeah, I agree. Um, Let's go to the outsides. Obviously, playing against a secondary that has been absolutely great. Jakuski Tart, um, one of the best names in the secondary land. Uh, Richard Sherman says he's one of the best underrated safeties in the league. Whiskey tart. But Christian Kirk had himself an explosion last week. Does he follow this up with a good performance? I believe so. And I know that it's a tough matchup and some people might shy away, but this offense is going to throw and they're going to throw a lot. And the only time they haven't thrown a lot is when they were winning against like the Giants or the Bengals. Uh, like, really, it's the only time. And they're not going to be leading. Against San Francisco. San Francisco is a better team. They're not going to be leading by a lot, at least. So, Kyler Murray is going to be throwing a lot. And Christian Kirk is his number one target. He 
Looked beautiful last week. Finally got three touchdowns. Uh, progression to the mean because it made no sense that he had zero. It's not a Tampa Bay blow-up spot game, but he'll be solid per usual. It's I'm a little scared, though, about Christian Kirk, not going to lie, because he did so bad against San Fran two weeks ago. My hope is that they did play San Fran two weeks ago. They could build off of that a little bit and hopefully open up uh, a little bit more for Christian Kirk. But I have Christian Kirk as more of a mid-wide receiver three this week. A big drop-off from last week when I had him as my wide receiver 12. Because two for eight against San Fran two weeks ago is tough to really see and trust going into this week. Uh, What about Larry Legend and Keyshawn Johnson? I mean, Keyshawn Johnson is never a start. Like, he plays a bunch of snaps, but it doesn't matter. And Larry Fitzgerald came back to life a little bit last week, 8 for 71, but... You saw him get hyped a couple times. Yeah, against San Fran is tough. Someone who's very interesting, though... Wait, I was going to say it. Andy Isabella? Andy Isabella. It's interesting. His role's been Very interesting is a bit of a stretch, but yeah, he's played more and more snaps each week, and he's just been ridiculously efficient with the snaps. Let's not forget that all these young receivers that they have, they took Andy Isabella in the second round uh, this year, so... I mean, he has... It's who they got for Josh Rosen. He has caught every single target he has on the season, which is six. So it's not like it's been a lot. But the last three weeks, he's turned six targets into 156 yards. So He doesn't get tackled. Yeah. 26 snaps last week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's double what he had the week before. And he had... He had the big play where, he, like you said, it's mostly yak from Andy Isabella, and that's something that hasn't been in the Cardinals' offense this year. They've been lacking yak. So I wouldn't be surprised if they see, see a little more Andy Isabella coming on, um, but not this week. What about Kyler Murray? Kyler against San Fran is interesting because he did have success a couple of weeks ago, even though Christian Kirk did not. He uh, <clears throat> He used his legs a bit, and he was just finding the open guy, 241 yards, a couple touchdowns, 34 rushing yards. So I have him as my QB uh, 11 this week. I didn't think I was going to have him in my top 12, but then I did my. I was looking at my rankings, and there's just some matchups I don't like from some more established quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray ended up in my top 12, and I'm perfectly fine with that, even in this difficult matchup. Let's go over to our next game, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Oakland Raiders. Jason, I'm calling you out on this one because last hey. week I said I would be shocked if A.J. Green played – the at in this season at all, and you called me an idiot. Suck it, bro. Mispractice again didn't today. Call you an idiot. Boom. You are an uh, unreasonable buffoon. Timmy just like flinched at me yelling boom. Yeah, I mean that was loud in my earphones, bro. Boom, boom, boom. Um. All right, so let's go process of elimination here because this is a bad defense in Oakland. And when I say bad, I don't mean like in real life. They've been okay. They've been bent but don't break in real life, but they've been bending and that's good for fantasy. And, but this is a Ryan Fidley led offense. So I think the, the person that you're definitely starting in this game is Joe Mixon. Yeah. The fact that he had 30 rush attempts in a game where they lost by 35, I forgot to tweet at a sports sports bureau to see if that's ever happened before. Yeah, I tweeted them, man. It's just it's just very telling of what they're gonna do. It doesn't matter if they're losing, which is expected. It doesn't matter if they're winning, likely either. They're just gonna try to get Mixon involved as much as they can. I don't expect thirty rushes again. That's a little nuts. He hasn't surpassed nineteen in any game besides that one. But if the volume's gonna be there, he's a pure volume based RB two at the very least because it, it's 
this team isn't going to score a lot of touchdowns, but if Joe Mixon's going to get 30 touches, then he 32. at least yeah, then he at least has to be considered as an RB2 and against Oakland who is solid against the run, they've fell off a little bit of late and they they do allow some passing work to the running back as well, so he's an interesting interesting play this week. Um speaking of interesting play, I think Tyler Boyd's an interesting play in this game. Um, Oakland has been very good against the slot receiver so far this year. Um, they have LaMarcus Joyner playing that nickel corner uh, most of the time. But with that being said, Tyler Boyd, six, uh, eight targets, six catches for 62 yards, a couple of interceptions. I mean, the interception that Finley threw was thrown Boyd's way. So, like I said, the young quarterbacks are going to look for their tight end. They're going to look for their slot guy. They're going to look for their running back. Um, the kind of the safety blanket type guys. And Tyler Eifert scored a touchdown last week, Jason. Suck on that. All right, you yelled at me with mad bangles, and I was right about all of them, so suck on it. I mean, Eifert did nothing besides a touchdown. But he scored the touchdown, like I said. He did. Um, but with that being said, I think Tyler Boyd could be a decent play, a wide receiver three type play, flex type play. Outside of that, I'm not, I don't want Erickson. I don't want Eifert. I don't want Tate. Yeah, Tyler Boyd, this is why I like Tyler Boyd going into the season. Obviously, it hasn't been great owning Tyler Boyd. Boy, just because of how anemic their offense has been. But he's averaging 10 targets a game, man. You can't really ask for more than that. He gets Oakland. He's 27th in true target value. So it he's right around where he's expected to be based on that as well. And you can't really ask for a better matchup than Oakland when you're talking about passing uh, the passing game. So I do like Tyler Boyd as a wide receiver three this week, albeit his ceiling isn't super high, but he should have a solid double-digit performance again. Uh, let's go over to the Auden o- Tate, also an interesting flex option. The, the, let's let's Jason, what do you think? Uh, Auden Tate is someone that's been pretty productive. Uh, I mean, I've been the biggest Auden Tate could just slide slide right into your flex or wide receiver three person with Ryan Finley that drops a little bit. Uh, still had a similar amount of targets, similar amount of catches, but the yards weren't there. It's just a lower ceiling with Ryan Finley, so Tate becomes. A wide receiver three option becomes more of a flex option. Uh, it depends on your other players that you have, but you could put him out there. It's not the most enticing thing. One of the worst defenses in the league is Cincinnati. Um, William Jackson, who looked like a stud a couple years ago, even last year, has really taken a step back, and that's probably because they can get absolutely no pressure on the quarterback. So with that being said, uh, a lot of opportunity for offense in this one. I love me some Josh Jacobs in this game. Oh, yeah. This this is the uh, Josh Jacobs dream uh, this week against Oakland because, I mean, against Cincinnati because he's not involved in the passing game. So he needs to be in a position to get 25 carries, 20 plus carries. And that's exactly where he's at this week against Cincy. They're a terrible team, positive game script here. And he should get he should be in line for 20 plus carries. He should be in line to score a touchdown or two. I, I love Josh Jacobs this week. I have him as my RB4, actually. I think he uh, has a very good shot to have a top-notch game. Uh, the Bengals lead the league in rushes of over 20 yards given up. They've given up 16 of those. They they are worse in the league in yards per carry. They give up 5.2 yards per carry. Um, they are dead last in the league. They're giving up 173 rushing yards per game. And in terms of touchdowns, they're giving up 12 touchdowns, which is tied for second worst, second worst in the league. So... They have a bad rushing defense if you weren't getting that from all those stats. 
Yeah. And Josh, it's not even like Josh Jacobs is. Josh Jacobs is the is 90, 90.4 PFF grade as well. So even PFF says he's playing tremendously. All the money you won when you put your mortgage down on Mark Ingram scoring a touchdown last week, double down and put, drop what you won on Josh Jacobs scoring a touchdown. Looks like he's actually the number one ranked running back on PFF. That's very interesting. Wow. That is interesting. I knew he was playing well, and you could see it when you watch him, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Tyrell Williams is someone who has not had a good game without a touchdown so far. Does he get a touchdown this week? That's that's the thing with the gazelle. He's been pretty touchdown dependent this season. Since the injury, he has not found the end zone twice, back-to-back games, and in both of those games he disappointed, of course. Against Cincinnati, it's a great matchup. So if he's going to find the end zone again, it's going to be this game. It's just he's he's difficult to trust as like a top 30-ish wide receiver, though. I do I do like him as a wide receiver three this week, though, in a good matchup, especially because Darren Waller's targets have been falling down a bit. Important question. Gazelle versus Bengal. Who wins? <laughs> Bengal. Bengal every time. Although yeah. a gazelle could outrun a like bangle. I feel like gazelles are feisty. I mean, I don't but know. if they're fighting, it's a bangle. Yes. What? You think a gazelle is going to beat he a He said, I think a gazelle a is feisty. I don't know. In a fight? Gazelle is like a giant-ass giraffe-looking thing, right? Or am I bugging? No, what it's are you talking giant. about? It's like a deer. You ever seen Lion King, bro? I'm I'm Googling it. Give me a second. <laughs> Uh, Jason, you're going to be wrong in this one, bro. What are you? Oh, yo, oh, real quick, oh, you seen those horns, bro? Tiger just runs at him. Sticks there is horns no way gone. a tiger is losing to a gazelle. I'm Googling it right now. Gazelle versus tiger. I'm taking my odds. I'll talk about Darren Waller. I'll talk about Darren Waller. You want to talk about knives? Gazelles. How about the claws and teeth of a Bengal tiger? You know who's not a tiger? Darren Waller. Yeah. You know the who, fable of the lion and gazelle. Jeez, oh, oh. Louise. You know who's been fighting for fantasy points? Darren Waller has sucked since his big blow game against Green Bay. They have not been a plenty of late. Five of his last six games under ten half PPR fantasy points. His last three games: two receptions, eleven yards. Luckily, caught a touchdown. Two receptions, fifty-two yards. Three receptions, forty yards. Cincinnati has actually been decent against the tight end. Uh, this season, this should be a more Josh Jacobs-based game. It's it's a tough sell here for Darren Waller as a uh, as a top five tight end. Honestly, I think Derek Carr is a streaming option this week. I will not ask Jason because I know how he feels about it already. Michael, what do you think about Derek Carr? I like him as a streaming option as well as a low end QB one against Cincinnati in a in a week where there's some viable QBs on by. Jason, Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek, uh, like this kid's watching animal videos. <laughs> I'm, I can I'm see really it in your glasses. I can see it yeah. in your glasses. You guys didn't hear the video I had in the background. No, I didn't hear the video. There was right. no conclusion. Right. Let's talk about. Let's talk about another. This is not an animal matchup. Let's talk about another Josh matchup. J- Yo, it, honestly though, if you think Josh Jacobs is going to be the number one running back, then Derek Carr is not going to be a QB one. I don't know. That might be flawed logic. Not enough scoring to go around in this. I don't know how many against often. the Bengals. How many yards does Josh Jacobs have? If he's going to reach 115, he'll score a touchdown. <laughs> All right, let's go That's over. from the beginning of last episode, if you have not heard that. But, yeah, we're making fun of someone. Let's go to the <laughs> New England Patriots at the Philadelphia uh, Eagles. Eagles. So I want to start with the Patriots because this is an interesting one. Because um, Nikhil Harry might be back. He was 
he was active last week but didn't play. But with that being said, the Eagles have given up as many yards in the air as they've ever given up. Their secondary has been trash. So with that being said, is this a Philip Dorsett week? For me, I have a T.Y. Hilton injury, and I need a guy. I've been streaming wide receiver three since T.Y. Hilton went down, and I really think Philip Dorsett has a chance to catch a long one and put together a good game in this one just because of how bad um, how bad Philadelphia has been against the pass in general. I don't know, man. I, I'm on the bandwagon of this, this Dorsett experiment is kind of over. I don't know why people are still discussing Philip Dorsett as a fantasy viable option. If he doesn't find the end zone, he's a complete waste. And if he does, then he'll have a solid game, but it's not like it's going to be anything super crazy. Uh, now Muhammad's new there stealing work, too. I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if Dorsett found the end zone. I do think he's at least a flex play. Um, but I think he's more of a low-end flex play because he, he does have a low floor, and he needs a touchdown to be viable. The Eagles have given up the fourth most plays of forty plus, fourth most pa- fourth most passes of forty plus yards this year with nine. So they've given up about one forty yard pass a game. Muhammad Sanu. And he's not a forty yard pass type of guy. Julian Neither Edelman. is Julian Edelman. That's why I like yeah. Dorsett. I think that if anyone's going to catch a forty yard pass, it's him. We'll see. I mean, it's not impossible, but he's going to need one of those to be relevant, in my opinion. Facts. Um, but Sanu and Edelman, on the other hand, are the guys who are going to be, you know, probably doing the most damage here. I like both of them as well. Jason, what, how do you feel about them? I think it's going to be a very good Muhammad Sanu week. Uh, really came on the scene. Five targets, first game on a new team is not something to shake your head at. And then the next week, he had 14 targets. So, boom, he's in there. He is a New England Patriot. Uh, the Eagles' defense is not a good defense. So, I think Muhammad Sanu is going to have a very good game. Edelman... I wouldn't be surprised if Snoo outscores Edelman because Edelman is more of a floor guy. His ceiling is not too high. He might not find the end zone. I feel like Mohamed Snoo is going to have a very good game. James White will have 9.9 points if he's not scoring a touchdown. If he is, he'll have 15.7 points. And, well, 15.9 points. So there you go with James White. I don't think there's anything else to say about James White. There's really nothing. The most consistent fantasy player in the history. If you haven't listened to our recap. Man, I really hope this goes on throughout the rest of the season. Me too. If you haven't listened to our recaps, James White has had a plus minus in scoring. When he did, when he doesn't score a touchdown, because last week he scored a touchdown and he, and he went over. But if you minus a touchdown, it's in that range. Plus minus of two. He's been in between 9 and 11 points all, week, all year. Every single week. Between 9 and 11. It's crazy. Half PPR. Half PPR. It's insane. It's literally the most consistent person in history. Someone who has not been consistent is Tony Michelle, and he's facing a front seven with the Eagles that has actually been very good. And one of the reasons why the Eagles have been so bad against the pass because they've been so stout against the run. Um, Michael, you've been a long proponent of Sony Michelle's of the Sony Michelle's Sony Michelle. There you go. Sucks bandwagon. How do you feel about this one? <laughs> Sony Michelle sucks bandwagon. Uh, I don't see how you could. Trust him as more than a flex play this week if you're really struggling as an RB2, but that's very bleh. In my opinion, he has a, as good a shot as any to find the end zone. We all know that, which is why he's at least a decent option weekly, but he shows you how low his floor is often as well. Last week, last time they played prior to the bye week against Baltimore, they were trailing and he just got completely phased out of the game. Like he was a complete non factor. He wasn't even on the field and things like that. Can happen, especially with James White and now Rex Burkhead back as well playing. Rex Burkhead, every time he's on the field, he seems to be uh, scoring at least a few fantasy points. So 
Hot take. Rex Burkhead scores more than Sonny Michelle this week. Ooh, that is hot. Although it's happening. Yo, twice. I was I was gonna have the same hot take. Mm. You guys are like twins or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I guess we're on to something here. Um, what about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr.? Who uh he sucks. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, you're firing him up. Against He's going to have to put together a string of games to be trustworthy in this NFL game called football. Against the fucking Eagles? I mean, he's been a little off the last few weeks. And not really off, just... I mean, when it comes to the Patriots, it's either Tom Brady's going to give you a very good week or they're going to score touchdowns on the on the ground. And you're a little upset that Tom Brady didn't throw them. Uh, that's basically it. And against the Eagles, he's going to throw them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Start I mean, Tom Brady this yeah, week. Yeah, start him up. Unless you got like Lamar Jackson, start Tom Brady. Um, let's go over to the Eagles side of the offense. Eagle. Uh, obviously, the New England Patriots have been an amazing defense. They've been a historic defense. Um, can you start Carson Wentz in this matchup? I don't think you can start any Eagles. The more I look at it, wow. Any none? Uh, the only two I'd consider. First off, Alshon Jeffrey has been very bad. You know, I said any. Let me preface that with confidently. Okay. So All right, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Because obviously, Zach Ertz, you're going to start against New England. Alshon Jeffrey has been terrible, and now he gets Stephon Gilmore, so I don't want to trust him. You're obviously not trust, trusting Nelson Aguilar or Sega Whiteside or anyone else in that receiving core. The interesting guy here to me is Jordan Howard because the last couple weeks they've been gashed on the ground, New England. That's been their... The other the opponent's recipe for success offensively, and Jordan Howard has been pretty solid for weeks now for um, Philly. Obviously, he's not he's a non-factor in the passing game, but that's not really a big deal when it comes to uh, the Eagles because they got Miles Sanders to do that. So Miles Sanders is someone I'm not super high on this week. Maybe like a a low floor flex play, but Jordan Howard's interesting man here against New England because if he get 15 to 20 carries. He might be able to find the end zone and break out a long one or two. Uh, Jason, do you feel the same way as Michael? Uh, I was going to say the flip side. I'm a little intrigued by Miles Sanders in this game. Interesting. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that. The last time we saw him, he had 10 rushes. And the man is one of their best receivers, believe it or not. Uh, he basically... Three catches, three targets the last four weeks in a row. Uh, and I think against the Patriots, a team that's going to score a lot, he's probably going to be a little bit more involved. I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Sanders has a nice game. I, I think he's a decent flex play. Uh, I mean, that's a, what about Zach Ertz? Anyone, any love for Zach? Yeah. I mean, you're you're starting Zach Ertz. Yeah, last week was glorious for Zach Ertz as well. Well, not last week. They, they were on bye last week. The game prior to that was glorious for Zach Ertz owners. He finally had a Zach Ertz-esque game going 9 for 103 and a touchdown. So hopefully that he continues to build off that coming out of the bye, especially with no D-Jax the rest of the season and the way the offense is going. We end with our Monday night matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers, which all of a sudden this looks like a matchup where if Kansas City loses and the Raiders win, there's a tie at first. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Even if the Chargers win, there's a little interesting stuff there. Yeah, so big game for the Chargers here, which they usually suck. Go in. Chargers, go! One interesting fact that I read is that Ky- I mean, I mean, uh, 
Kyle Allen. Keenan Allen. He has the most air yards in the AFC. He has one of the highest target shares in the AFC. He just isn't getting in the end zone. He hasn't gotten the end zone since week three. So is this the game against a Kansas City pass defense that has struggled against the slot? Is this the game where he kind of breaks out? Jason, I'll start with you since you guys seem to be confused about who's going first. I mean, Jason <laughs> opened his mouth to speak and then just didn't say anything. Sorry, I was actually um, 28th against a slot receiver this year. I was, uh, in DV- I, was in getting, I was getting the Thrive 5 ready, so I was not listening at that moment. Keenan Allen. Oh, Keenan Allen. All right, I was listening. I now know what you were talking about. Air yards is not one of my favorite stats on earth. Um, but... It's a good game for him here. I think the the thing that's concerning is Philip Rivers struggles in Arrowhead. They're they've been documented by a lot of people. But Keenan Allen's targets went back up to eleven last week after an awful game against Green Bay. He even had a rush for eighteen yards. A uh, little bonus there. Uh, you know, I they're gonna have to score. Casey's home. They're gonna put up points. The Chargers defense hasn't been too good. Uh. It's it's tough talking about Keenan Allen because this season has been so odd, and you expect something out of him and he just doesn't show up. So like you got to throw him out there. It's gonna be a shootout. It's Monday night. He's shown up in big spots before, but then Philip Rivers has been bad in prime time. Keenan Allen's been bad most of the season. There's a lot of competing factors here. I'm I'm uh, befuddled. Clearly, no team. <laughs> No team has targeted the tight end more in the last five games than the Phillip Rivers and Derrick Henry. Hunter, I mean, the Hunter Henry. Hen- Hunter Henry combination. Uh, yeah, Michael, you were the one that was telling people pick up Hunter Henry two weeks in advance. It ended up working out if you did. Um, talk about Hunter Henry in this game. Oh, I mean, Hunter Henry's a set it and forget it tight end one at this point. Even last week where he only had 30 yards and four receptions, he found the end zone. So, he reached double digits since he's returned. He's reached double digits in every game except against Chicago, where he went four for 47, which is at least decent as well, especially from a tight end standpoint. He's my uh, number two tight end this week now that George Kittle has been ruled out. So, yeah, you got to fire up Hunter Henry against KC. Uh, what about Mike Williams? Mike Williams is basically up. Mike Williams is basically like Allen Robinson how he just keeps getting ranked higher than he should be, and we keep ranking him lower, and that be continues to just be correct. Because how long are people going to wait for Mike Williams to break this touchdown streak? You know how many people I saw on Twitter on Thursday? Mike, Mike Williams season, Mike Williams week, he's going to go off this week. And then he went two for 55 against Oakland. And, I mean, we weren't surprised. Some people were. But we were not surprised because that's what Mike Williams does these days. Like I don't know how you could trust him as more than like a flex play at this point. Austin Eckler, sorry, in true target value. Austin Eckler's uh, targets and rush attempts have been dropping steadily, and last week we saw it culminate in a Melvin Gordon game. Now Austin Eckler had a touchdown, so it saved his game. But without that touchdown, he would have busted. It's only a matter of time, probably, uh, until. That and until it goes all the way to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler is kind of like that RB three that he was last week. I mean last year. Now though, he, they are playing against the Kansas City defense that is giving up the most points to the running back. Um, 
in all of fantasy. They're 17th to the running back against DVOA. They'll probably pass out of the backfield a lot because that's what he does. That's what Phillip Rivers does, and this is going to be a game probably where they're trailing and they're and they're you know chasing some points. Is that good news for Austin Eckler? And besides Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon is he now an RB one? Set it and forget it. Like he's volume based. This you week. know it's Eckler's making it hard to quit him, man. It's not easy to get off the Eckler because uh, even in these games where. He's not getting a lot of looks. He f- he finds the end zone in three of the last four games. The one where he doesn't, he puts up 70 yards and has 12 rushes, the most by far of all the other games. Basically, all the games combined, he has 12 rushes in the last four. So he's just good, and he finds ways to get it done. Uh, and even when he's not really touching the ball, he'll show up and score a touchdown. And against KC, very good matchup. I'm still throwing him out there as RB2 because so far this season – there's only been one week against Pittsburgh where he's actually disappointed. I'm with Jason. I'm still trusting Eckler this week as an RB2. And Melgo I have as my RB6, by far the highest. I've ranked him in a wonderful matchup against KC. He looks like he's back and ready to go. Um, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Their doctor offensive lineman, who Jason tested me on last week. And... He's, doctor, a doc- he's doctor, an actual doctor. Give me the news. Uh, he's not going to play this week, according to PFF. He's going to be out. So um, some more offensive line troubles for the Kansas City Chiefs. But that should not stop Patrick Mahomes from being yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Um, the best part about this Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, this uh, this Los Angeles Chargers defense, though, is the secondary. They have some good players in the secondary. Uh, but that shouldn't stop the other guys from going off. Tyreek Hill's going to eat. You got him as a Q- as a wide receiver one. That's just let's set it and forget it, too. Yeah. Sammy Watkins, um, Robinson, Kelsey, out of these guys, who are you starting this week? Look, it's I would been... just like to say, real quick, and then I'll let you go, Michael. Sammy Watkins sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I'm fed up with Sammy Watkins. How many teams are we going to go to? How many times people can talk about his potential? He's second in true target value. No one's seeing almost eight targets a game. More from Sammy Watkins should have from the Patrick numbers Mahomes. he has. I mean, from Patrick Mahomes. It's despicable. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, what I was going to say, it's crazy because you have Patrick Mahomes. You th- you expect it to be like this super crazy offense where all these people are supported. But it's been the same way for like two years now. Tyreek Hill, high-end wide receiver one. Travis Kelsey, high-end tight end one. Chiefs running back slot in as a RB, uh, into your RB2 slot. Leave it at that. Honestly, because Sammy Watkins has become this ridiculously boom-bust wide receiver three option, except he doesn't boom anymore. He only busts. He's been absolutely atrocious for weeks now. Outside of week one, week one, he had an absolutely amazing game, and everyone was like, oh, Sammy Watkins. And since then, he's been awful. Every single game under 10 uh, half PPR fantasy points. Uh, Week nine, he put up 10.3. But, dude... It's just been terrible for Sammy Watkins' owners, too, because like Jason said, true target value, number two overall. You just expect something big to happen. And now that I'm complete, now that we're completely shitting on him, he'll probably go off against L.A. But, I mean, he's a boom-bust wide receiver three where you have to deal with the lows and hope that the high will come at some point. But I'm not trusting Demarcus Robinson or any other receiver. The... Chiefs have been beatable on the ground, and Damian Williams took over that job for show for show last Chargers week. Chargers have been beatable on the ground. Chargers. Uh, even though, 
look, it seems like Shady will be back this week. So what's the deal with the backfield? I think it's going to be a little unpredictable. I don't know, man. It seems fishy. Resting him. Kidding me? Apparently it was premeditated. No, like they lost. Yeah. Tennessee is a good defense. It's you don't not like rest- they're, yeah, they're not in a position to do that. It's weird. And may- even if it was, it just he's going to come back now and be the main back after not playing last week for no reason so he could rest. Come on. It's just weird. I've been saying Andy Reid wants a workhorse. He does. It's just how he works. And Damian Williams is becoming that. It's how he works horse. <laughs> but, yeah, I have Damian Williams as my RB11 this week, man. If if you look at the running backs when you keep uh, when you finish up your rankings or when you start on your rankings, you'll see that against LA in this shootout, Damian Williams is basically a must start, in my opinion. Just because he had 19 rushes last week, five receptions, he was the workhorse. And yes, he lost that fumble, but after he lost the fumble, he was still the workhorse. And Shady was inactive, healthy scratch. I'm I'm buying into Debo this week. Let's end this on a positive note. Pat Mahomes is an every week star, and if you're not starting him, you're stupid. All right, Jason, let's get into the Thrive 5. Positivity. The Thrive Thrive Fantasy app and ThriveFantasy.com, the newest way to play daily fantasy football. All you have to do is sign up on ThriveFantasy.com or the Thrive Fantasy app and put in the promo code BRODO. That's B-R-O-T-O. BRODO. That's B-R-O-T. What? The name you know and love. Oh, and on your first deposit of $10 or more, you can get $10 free. So, Jason, we're about to give did you our... Did Travis Kelsey? We did mention Travis Kelsey. Yes, we did. And locked and loaded sure. starter. Locked and loaded starter. Um, All right. Thank you, here thank, you for, thank you for cutting off before I explained <laughs> what the Thrive 5 was. I appreciate that. Um, Thrive 5 is our fi- Jason's five favorite plays, and then me and Michael give us give our opinion on which ones we like. So, Jason, with that being said, let's get with the Thrive Five. Let's do it. I think this one's an easy one to start off. Matt Ryan at Carolina, 305 and a half pass yards. Over 95 points, under 105. Under. What? That's one of the most ridiculous lines I've ever heard in my life. Taking that under every day, right? How do you open up a line at 305 passing yards? Yes, under. Even if you lose, who cares? They're going to kill him on the ground. Yeah, that shit's easy. I think this was easy too. Michael Thomas to score a touchdown at Tampa over 120 under 80. What? Over? Yeah. Give me all yeah. of that. I know Michael doesn't like to bet on touchdowns, but that seems easy breezy, beautiful cover, bro. Yeah, I agree. Um, Zeke, 120 and a half yards total at Detroit. Yep. Over 95 up. under 105. Sign me up for Zeke. It's 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 time, man. I'm going to go under 125 because I, I think, think it's an easy ball game for Steve. I I'm think they spread over. it around a little bit. I, 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 Not that he won't have a good game, but I think 125 You shut your mouth much. when you're talking to me. This one seems pretty easy to me as well. Just got, saw 30 touches at Oakland. Joe Mixon, 76 and a half total yards. Over. Hmm. I mean, I, Even odd. I don't want to bet on Joe Mixon. I do. Over. I'm taking the over. He just had 30 touches, man. Last one. I, I take the risk on this one, too. Solid payout. Sam Darnold to not throw an interception at Washington. Over 80, under 120. These are some of my favorites right here because they almost always work out. 
I'm going with the under too. Yeah, Michael took no interception from Mitch Trubisky last week in a No off. Mitch Trubisky, no Marcus Mariota. They've yeah. all landed in the past. Well, it's not like a touch- none of them have had eight interceptions in the last in two weeks before last week, like Sam Darnold did. Still, I'm still doing it. I'll still go under too. All right. That was a throw. All right, all right. The best part That's of the week five, y'all. is over, unfortunately. That was our preview for the week. Michael, where could they find you? Mike underscore Patrap. Jason. At Jason Patrap. You can find us at Brodo Fantasy, and you can find me at Tim Patrap on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling frisky. real, real, real frisky. Don't forget to sign up for Thrive Fantasy. Don't forget to drop by our website, BrotoFantasy.com, for all your Brodo needs, including true throw and true target values. Also, don't forget to stop by our Patreon, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy, where you can get a ton of extras. We're working on another extra for our $10 patrons right now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we're going to be announcing that probably next week. So uh, if you're a $10 patron, congratulations. You're about to get something new. If you're not, you can just slide up there to be a $10 patron. Or you could say at the $3 level, that's our lowest level, and you can get an extra episode and join our community. And you can get a whole ton more extras in the other tiers. Go by patreon.com slash Check it out. And also, shout out to Red Cup News, at Red Cup News on Instagram, our mothership. Um in terms of our website promotion. Uh, with that, we say so long. Peace out. Later. Sayonara. Arriva Dirty. Michael, <laughs> Michael cut me off. I'm, run, I'm running out.